Hi there, welcome to episode number four of the Owl and Badger podcast. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the subject of freedom. Um, It's a big topic, so we're going to touch on a few things that we hope will help in our thinking as we chat this through together. Um, So yeah, I guess freedom's a big subject, isn't it, Helen? Yes, it is. It is a big subject and an important one, I think. Maybe one that we haven't been used to thinking about. Yeah, I think I think that's true, isn't it? And and it fe- I think it feels like we've lost sight of its of its value a bit. Do you think? Because we've had a long period of of peace, for example, in in Europe, which has been really good. And I just wonder if this has maybe dulled our sense of value that we have in in freedom. What do you think? Yeah. Yes, I I think that's true. I think. Um... The, the years of peace that we've had, it's probably been longer than possibly ever in history. I mean, our history has been all sorts of ups and downs. So to have several generations of relative peace is um, is probably the explanation for us taking it for granted, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm, I always think about like, you know, where we are in the UK, at least um, with, with our history, we have pretty much I suppose a, a thousand years of of well a lot of it's quite a, a bloody thousand years isn't it in terms of where we are today we didn't get here easily um, so I think that whole thing of, of peace and freedom it, we can take it for granted um, but yeah the last time I suppose we had a threat to a genuine threat to freedom in the UK was probably World War Two, wasn't it? When we faced that real tyranny and we had to fight to maintain our way of life and many lost their lives in that. Um, and I guess, well, I don't know. I think, I think looking back, people back in World War Two, for example, perhaps understood the concept of freedom, the value of freedom better than we do now. Yes, I'm sure about that. And, um, you know, our grandparents' generation and the generation that are, well, there's not very many left who can remember wartime or can certainly, they can remember their parents telling them about it. And um, you often hear people saying, you know, about them dying for our freedom. And um, I think they definitely took it very seriously because they almost lost their freedom, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did. Um, and, and, that was something that really spurred them on to 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 fight for that. But taking it perhaps more into the present day, we've we've had a lot of um, the protests in Hong Kong in the last um, eighteen months or so, and that was essentially over issues that have have freedom at their their core. And the people, people in Hong Kong want want to be want to be free, want to exercise the um, benefits of freedom, and that's why they were taking to the streets, wasn't it? And it's quite yeah. a quite a telling thing that people want this ideal of freedom so badly that that they will go and protest, or perhaps you know even give up their their life for that for that ideal. Yeah, I think Hong Kong, that's a very good example. I 
I think, um, wasn't there a million or over a million people on the streets in Hong Kong protesting and then quite conveniently um, lockdown started and um, protests were then outlawed. Yes. So I'm yeah. not sure there have been any protests since, which is convenient. Yeah, it does seem to have kind of uh, coincided quite nicely, doesn't it? Uh, that that is that is for sure. And then, of course, you know, if we go back a last sort of thirty years, we've had the fall of of communism, and again, people under the the Soviet Union, as it was back then, they wanted to be free. They wanted to exercise um, the freedoms that they saw those in the in the West enjoying. And they actually they got there in the end. I mean, the fall of the Berlin Wall in the in the early nineties was a a pivotal moment. Um, and I think it it it's just good to remind ourselves that I think freedom actually underpins our way of life in the West. So we've got things like freedom of speech, freedom to choose how we bring up our children, freedom of conscience and belief, freedom of movement, freedom from tyranny isn't it yes all all things that um if we lose those we lose life as we know it yeah. and our lives would be a very different story that's true i do why why do we lose sight of this do you reckon what is it that dulls our senses to to this ideal of freedom well, I I wonder if part of it is our post-Christian culture. Uh, I mean, this um, free society that we're so used to, it is, you know, has not always been the case, and it's it's actually built on Christian principles, isn't it? So, yeah, it, if we throw God out of the equation, then we're in very grave danger of throwing freedom out as well. Yeah, we are. We are. And it's it's easier to do that, isn't it? When you when you just don't, you, you, like you say, you lose sight of it, and and you, and you, you you stop valuing it, you stop stop kind of treasuring what is kind of important about it. Um, I was just you know when sort of preparing for this, I was reminded of. Um, a conversation I had last year with somebody when when the restrictions were kind of really kicking in, and I, this person couldn't really understand why I was not as compliant as they were, and for example, perhaps not always wearing a mask or deciding that actually I was going to hug my family to me was you know it was a very important personal choice. To be told by the government what I can and can't do in my personal life, I saw as a direct infringement on my freedom and a step that they actually don't have the right to take. And I think, looking back to that conversation, um, I was, I suppose, I was a bit kind of alarmed, really, that that <laughs> somebody would actually question my lack of compliance when when to me it was the the core issue of freedom was at stake here and even you know this well a year ago over a year ago now we could see or i could see and others can see how these measures these guidelines the government forcing on us was an infringement on freedom do you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely i think what i was 
shocked about is how easily society gave up its freedom. I yeah. think I was really shocked at how many people were very happy to give up virtually. I mean, we gave up, had to give up virtually all of our freedom, didn't we? I mean, even yeah, the right to go and sit on a park bench. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? I mean, I remember going to the, going to the, 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 the beach near where I live and there's a path along the cliff top with benches there. And, and I remember thinking, I mustn't sit down because somebody will tell me to move on. <laughs> I mean, honestly, what, Crazy, kind, isn't what it? kind of thinking? And that, do you remember those, that, that, those two ladies that are in the news, they went for a walk somewhere drinking a cup of coffee cup of coffee and the police (laughs) stopped them and and overzealously kind of interfered and it's like what is going on yeah it's crackers you know but but the point we're getting to here isn't it is that these what might seem like small actions have great consequences and and why we're doing this podcast is is to help us to think critically and to, and to look at the trajectory we use that word a lot or i use it a lot that trajectory something puts us on you know what i mean so so it's like well where does this action take us where does it end up is it a good place or is it a bad place and generally speaking things that take away freedoms like we've experienced ends up in a bad place doesn't it history tells us that History tells us that. And I think as Christians, it's very important for us to look at, um, you know, what does Jesus say? What does scripture say about this issue? And and when it comes to freedom, it's the answer is quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, we'll get, yeah, I think we'll, yeah, we'll get onto that in a sec, actually, because that's, that's going to be a key part of this. Um, I think one of the things that we thought about, well, that struck you know, a number of us last year was this thing, you know, this sense that the mask is easy to put on, but far harder to take off. And literally, that's true in some cases, not all cases, obviously, but literally that's true. But it's more of a figurative phrase, really. It's like saying, well, actually, when we allow these restrictions in our lives, they don't go away easily. We, We allow them to take root to become part of who we are and before we know it we're living in a different society we're living in different communities we treat each other differently and all because we've lost sight of that that freedom that 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 idea that we are born to be free so you brought up well this is what we're about isn't it looking at what the bible says bringing our christian worldview to bear so if freedom matters, and we think it does, and I'm sure most people would agree that it does, what does the Bible have to say on it? Well, the Bible has to say a lot about freedom, doesn't it? I mean, wh- where do we want to start? We could start right at the beginning. We could look at um, when God created Adam and Eve, and he created created them in relationship with each other and, and in relationship with him. And he gave them the freedom to choose between good and evil. They made the wrong choice, didn't they? But yeah. um, but he he could have made them as robots 
we could be all robots to do as God wants us to, but he didn't because if he did that, we couldn't be in relationship with him. And if we think about relationships we have with each other, we couldn't have love, we couldn't have friendship, we couldn't have any of those things if we weren't free. We have to be free to choose to love. We have to be free to choose to be friends, to be kind um, or not. Um, and that comes with risks, doesn't it? It, it you know, we can get hurt. Um, yes. But it, it's worth it. Yeah, totally. If you're, if you're going to have love, if you're going to have relationship, then you have to have freedom. And, and uh, yeah, you're totally right. And that thing you just said then about it comes with risk. You know, this is <laughs> this has been the, the, the thing that we've seen over these last 18 months, isn't it? It's like my heart kind of goes out to people who um, didn't hug their family because they thought actually if I if I go and give my mum or my dad or grandparents or whoever it might be a hug I might give them COVID and it's like you know what there might be a risk there but there's a far greater thing you're going to lose if you don't give them that hug what if you know you don't see them again what if they what if they you know pass away from something else you know, it's, we, we can't live life trying to mitigate risk all the time. We've got to actually live, haven't we? We've got that freedom to actually go and say, you know, give that person a hug. Draw alongside them like we normally would. Um, it, and this, this, is what, this is what we're about, isn't it? Trying to tackle this issue of freedom is so important. It um, is. And, and it, if we're um, looking back over this last 18 months, I think it's been terribly damaging the, um, the way relationships have been broken and there has been so much isolation. Um, we're, we're hardwired for relationship yeah. as human beings. Yeah. So to try and make us into, you know, still people are talking about, you know, stay, I don't know, what do they say? Stay safe, stay at a distance, keep your distance, all that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, as if touching people is a bad thing and, um, I know it's really unhealthy. It's I, I know I, I to to my shame and to my to my family's amusement at the beginning of 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 lockdown. I don't even call it. I want to, don't even want to call it lockdown at the beginning of the nonsense. Maybe that we should refer it to call it what it it, it deserves. Anyway, last in March last year, I remember seeing we were walking in the village where we live and saw somebody I know who cycled past <laughs> many. And I just, he just kind of briefly stopped to say hello. And then when he left, I said, stay safe. And I'm like, it's like, what, what was I thinking? And, <laughs> and, and my family have great joy in, in making fun of me and rightly so for being such a Muppet to, 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 to use that, that phrase. Um, I meant it well, and I know people do mean it well, well but it's, it's ridiculous, yeah. really. Um, I think, I think one of the things that, that also strikes me about all this is that and we don't, you see, this is the hard bit. I, I don't want to, we don't want to be um, overly critical, but at the same time, we need to find a way to actually articulate a problem. And, and there is a problem, I think, 
in the in the church that we don't consider for example this issue of freedom and we should be i mean after all the, the church will bend over backwards to talk about green issues um or you know in in something to do with the environment which you know there's certain things maybe that are right about that but when does the church talk about abortion for example it doesn't and it should do and again with this issue of freedom we don't hear much mentioned about that and so i think as a, as the church we ha we should be having these uh, conversations about a subject such as freedom which is so important and the church should have a, a voice there because the freedom is god given the bible makes that clear it's a biblical godly principle it's a, it's a good thing um and it's hardwired into us isn't it I it mean, is, yeah. So you know, you know that thing if you like, I don't know, trapped it trapped in a in, in a queue or something like that. Um, you're probably really patient, Helen. But I'm I'm if I'm in a queue or if I'm, I don't know, if you imagine you're stuck in a lift or something, you're no longer free, and it, and it, and it, and you just want to get out. It's it's th it, that's what I mean. It, it, it the concept of being free is 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 just hardwired in. That's why we have prisons that's why being incarcerated is a punishment because we have this inbuilt desire to be free to des to decide when we will go out when we will come back in and that's a good thing that's actually how god made us and yeah do you think i mean do you think we should be talking more about this in church do you think oh yes i absolutely i do and in fact i'm astonished that it's been talked about so little over the last 18 months when so much of our freedom has been taken away yeah which it is very disappointing because actually the church should have had a lot to say about that it should it should and, and we've and not heard very much we haven't and, and and it's an opportunity actually for the church to bring the bible and the gospel to bear on a situation in a way that is countercultural, in a way that actually might help the world to sit up and pay attention um yeah i mean because when we you know you look at what the bible says about freedom essentially freedom is seen as a good thing and a lack of freedom is seen as a bad thing or to put it another way being free is a sign of god's blessing and favor and being enslaved actually is not a sign of god's blessing and favor <laughs> Um, yeah, like Israelites losing their freedom in Egypt and then being freed from Egypt. Um, yeah, I mean, why should it be any different for us today? I don't know. We should be talking about this, shouldn't we? Because isn't it? There's a wider question here, and this is this is a little bit of a rabbit hole question. But if um, if freedom is God given then as a as a nation if we've turned our back on god which in this country i think in many ways we have collectively we've said we don't don't want god in our culture we don't want god in society well then surely if freedom is then taken away which we've seen that that's not a sign of god's blessing is it that's not a sign of god's provision 
That's the opposite, isn't it? Yes, I would say. I would say it is. It's um, it's never going to be a place that that God is going to bless and think is is a good place. Yes, well done, people, for enslaving your subjects. I don't I don't think that's likely. No, and yet we don't. I don't think we've we've kind of spotted this, have we? At the, in the in the wider church, I know some some ele- some elements of um, the church have spotted this, but you know people like Jamie Franklin um, and and others have kind of spotted this and said, "Hold on mm. a sec, hold on a minute." You know, we're very quick to attribute things like, you know, the vaccine to 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 God, but that actually doesn't pass biblically critical critical understanding of of how god deals with us it just doesn't make sense does it um it it doesn't and ultimately jesus came to bring us freedom yes he came to set us free from the bondage that enslaves us which is sin and death yes so you know that's the fundamental message of the gospel and so it, it shouldn't be difficult for the church to talk about should it no, um, and no. that's why for me it was very disappointing to see that many churches um seemingly very willing to give up all freedoms and and even to go beyond what was being asked of them by the government yeah I know it was it was a real shame, wasn't it? It was a real shame, and we mustn't mustn't ever let that happen again because that wasn't right. And in, and you're absolutely right. Jesus Jesus came to die uh, so that we might be free, free from free from sin, um, free from the consequences of sin. Um, yeah, and there's some great Bible verses on that, aren't there? There are. Shall I read one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah. Um... Galatians 5 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this, that freedom is only found ultimately in Jesus Christ, isn't it? Because this is freedom from sin, freedom from the consequence of sin. And this is the wonderful message that we have as Christians, and this is the message that really the church should be putting out there, as opposed to freedom is found in a vaccine. No, it's not. <laughs> that's, that's, in fact, in fact, you could argue the opposite that the, the, the vaccine puts you into bondage, actually. But you know, that's a that's perhaps a conversation for a, for a, for another day. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jesus freed people from sickness, disability, shame. He, he 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 set people free from demonic oppression, even from death itself, didn't he? I mean, it's amazing if you when you read the Gospels what he did. Um, and it's that idea that this freedom is God given; it's good and it's worth the effort needed to to keep hold of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And wh- and when Jesus, when he began his his ministry, he quoted from. Isaiah, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, 
to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Yeah, and that and that as a church, that's what we we can hold out to people. We say, look, the world the world doesn't know what to do, but we have Jesus, and He's done this for us. And it's like, yeah, this is the kind of opportunity we have as well. We have to if we it? believe it as the truth, then we have to live it. Yeah, we do. And and uh, <laughs> I think this has been the test, hasn't it? Really, over the last eighteen months, it's like. Do you really believe it? Mm. Do you really believe that Jesus has come to set us free, that the truth will set us free, that he is the way, the truth and the life? But you see, that's the thing, isn't it? Because if if we just have freedom, this notion of freedom as a kind of an abstract idea, then when we talk about Jesus setting us free, that will also be an abstract idea, won't it? You know, if we don't value the concept of freedom in our day-to-day life, how on earth are we going to value it as something we talk about when we talk about Jesus saying us free? Too often as Christians, we like to, we, I think we struggle because we have a relatively comfortable life. And when we talk about things of faith, we like to keep them in the abstract realm so we don't actually have to engage with them too much. But this is, this is why freedom is, as a, it's not the only thing, but it, this is why it's so important. Because if we can't grasp the reality of freedom in our day-to-day life, how on earth are we going to grasp it when we talk about Jesus setting us free? What's it going to mean to us? That's a very good point, yeah. So, shall we move on? Let's have a think about um, where freedom has kind of come under under attack, as it were. Um, Yeah, I guess thinking back again back to March last year, if we said, to people that yeah that the government be wanting to vaccinate the whole population using an unproven vaccine with zero long-term data and in addition to this you would need to prove your vaccination status to go and see a live band watch a football match get on a plane we said this in march last year i think most people would respond by saying you're some kind of mad conspiracy theorist that isn't going to happen. They say if there is a vaccine, it, vaccines normally take a long time, five, ten, sometimes 20 years to develop safely. Um, and if they do develop it and they make this vaccine, it will be for the people who really, really need it. That would have been the thing, wouldn't it? If we'd said, actually, you're going to have to show a little pass to get into something, people would think, no, don't be bonkers. Yeah, that's not what we do in this country. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So we we kind of moved, haven't we, from stay home, protect the NHS, save lives to kind of, well, creeping totalitarianism. Um, but I don't, I, the trouble is, right, it feels like there's just this gap, isn't it, between people who spot this and people who don't, who think everything's going to be okay. Do you, and... And I hope that the people who think everything's going to be okay, I really hope they're right. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, which is the majority. I think the majority of people, certainly the majority of people I know, don't seem to really want to think about it too much. They seem to just, oh, yep, we'll just do what we're told and get on and it will be all right and I'm sure there's good reason and um, 
not really questioning, which surprises me. Even people who I would have said, I would have thought, yeah, they're, they're questioning people. They'll look into it, but not very many. I know it's, it's, it is a bit, it is a bit dis disheartening. Um, but I think that maybe goes back to this this um, long period of freedom that we've had and this not valuing it. Yes. Um, because I know, speaking to a Russian friend of mine, she certainly values it and she's been very disturbed by what she's seen happen here right. because it reminds her of what she has seen in her own country. And um, I think I've been, I've started reading a very good book by Rod Dreher called Live Not By Lies. And it's a book looking at um, our post-Christian culture and how he thinks there's this creeping soft totalitarianism, which um, is very dangerous. And he, he said that um, he's spoken to a number of people living in the West who are from who've lived in countries under communism, who've known what it is to live under oppression and to not have their freedom. And he said, without exception, they can see it living in the oh. West now. They can see the warning signs. They can see the signs. And they're saying, we don't understand it because when we tell people, they just, they just look at us like they just don't believe us. We're saying, but we, we recognize the signs. We've seen this happening. Yeah. And it's happening now, it's happening in the West. But you don't seem to see it. I know. It, it, that that's really telling. And I think we should we should pay attention to 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 you know, people like your you know, friend who, who have had this experience and, and and do understand the value of freedom and, and understand what's at stake. You know, when when you lose something, it's jolly hard to get it back. It's worth the effort to maintain it rather than having to fight to get it back. Yeah, well, history tells us time. that. Yes, yeah. it does. It does. Um, but I think it, it you know, it, I, personally speaking, I don't really like, you know, categorizing people in boxes. Um, but I suppose I'm inevitably going to do that now. But it does seem to be a quite a middle class thing to not want to engage with this. Um, particularly, um, in other words, I would put that down to those those of us who have the kind of the trappings of comfortable life don't want to engage with this this idea that actually the thing that underpins all that, which is freedom, that might go away. We don't we don't want to think about that. We want to enjoy, you know, our comfortable life. We don't want to have something in our, invade our headspace that actually might upset all that because that will require us to do something about it yeah but the irony of that is that um if we lose our freedom all of that it, it is at stake isn't it all of that could be lost so yeah it, and and i and i fear at the moment even though i want friends and family who say oh it's going to be okay you know in a couple of years time we'll be back to normal I'm like, okay, I, I really sincerely, genuinely hope you're right. The only problem is that all the evidence points us in the opposite direction to that. So We're there's going to have to be a pretty big change for you to be right. <laughs> um, 
and I mean, you know, like we said at the beginning, you know, Europe has Europe has had a sustained time of peace. Much of the world has, hasn't it? Um, but just take an example from Lithuania right now. You can, you could almost pick a country, but I'll pick Lithuania. This is happening right now. Without, if you don't have a COVID pass to prove your vaccination, life is really, really difficult. Uh, you have the very real prospect of losing your job if you haven't had the vaccine. And if you do lose your job, finding a new job is very problematic. No pass, no job. Um, not allowed to buy food in supermarkets. So that means you have to shop in smaller, more expensive shops or go back to the kind of more traditional street markets that they have. Things like DIY becomes impossible because you can't buy the materials you need to fix things in your house without a COVID pass. You can't buy clothes for your children to go to school without a COVID pass. You can't get seen by a dentist without a COVID pass. This isn't in North Korea, this is in Lithuania. And this is, you know, if you want to take France, they're another example, or Italy. You know, if you go further afield, look what's happening in Australia. So it, it's, it's, yeah, this is real, it's happening. Um, it's on our doorstep and, and again I talk to people and they say well you know this may be happening in Australia or it might be happening in France but it won't happen here it almost feels like a kind of denial do you find that well yeah I'm not sure how people can be in denial for much longer though because I mean the passes now COVID passes are in or COVID certification they're calling it aren't they in Scotland and in Wales and in Wales yeah that's right and yeah. Uh, today's the date the consultation finishes today um, on the plan B that the government have ready and and that will bring in COVID certification in England as well potentially and, and they're talking about December it could be they, in weeks. I think when they're going to roll they'll be rolled out um, but yeah yeah totally and and the other the other side of this coin is that there are a lot of people who are up in arms about this but we don't, you don't know this in the mainstream media. So across Europe, we have had mass protests against um, vaccine passport, literally millions of people taking to the streets in Italy, in France. And these protests have been significant, they've been ongoing. We don't hear a peep about them here. No. But they're huge. They're huge. Um, and I think, it, it, unfortunately, it's, we're kind of, it's all heading in, in one way just want to change tack a little bit and this is this is linked to the whole idea of freedom and the whole thing about you know how we're moving to a cashless society when was the last time you used cash helen well i'm an unusual person i do actually try to use cash quite a bit um but it, it's not the norm it's no. not and increasingly so and in fact over the last 18 months which did really make me quite cross there are some places who just refuse to take cash really yeah I don't know if you can actually legally do that because it's well, legal Well, I, I said it? that. I did say that in, I think it was um, one of the coffee shops that I don't really go to very often. Like, I think it might have been Starbucks. And I said, I'm sure that's not legal. I think you have to take cash. It's legal tender of this country. And they insisted that it was. Wow. Mm. Cool. Because, yeah, I mean, this is, okay, this is all part of the plan. In this whole issue of freedom, so so having cash 
is a, an essential part of freedom in a free society because it allows you to have some autonomy from the state. It allows you to go about your day-to-day -day life in a, you know, legally, obviously, and lawfully without, in, without interference from the state, and they don't need to know what you're doing. Yeah, this is where cash yep. is so important. Yeah, People might not be aware but the, the Bank of England is already looking at a centralised digital programmable currency. So a chap called Tom Mutton from the Bank of England, he, suggest, he has suggested that this digital currency could be set to only work when something's happened. In other words, if you have um, only used your car for a certain amount of time this month then you perhaps would have more access to money or if you can only spend your money on certain things but not other things it's what they you know kind of what they have in china with the social credit system funds could only be used by certain government approved goods but even this guy from the bank of england tom mutton he acknowledges that this could be used to restrict people's freedoms <laughs> and this is where it's going the writing is on the wall there is a reason why cash is going out and it's not a good one it's a bad one and people you know it, it yeah it's more convenient but you know what is your convenience worth trading for your freedom helen hmm. i would say no Absolutely. It's also another thing that is likely to hit the poorest hardest, isn't it? Exactly, exactly, exactly. And then we, you know, and then we get onto things like obviously freedom of speech. I mean, we've had this ongoing debate of freedom of speech, haven't we? Freedom of thought. This has been going on before COVID, um, but um, I think it's 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 increased dramatically. This idea of what you're free to say and free not to say since well we now talk about the pandemic. cancel culture don't we we do yeah 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 absolutely i was just uh, I, I saw this interesting um short article about gareth southgate the england manager mm -hmm. um because you know how some of the england players apparently haven't had the the covid vaccine so he he was um he was asked about this and he was basically um, complaining about feeling like he couldn't speak out about being pro-vaccine, believe it or not, <laughs> even though he's got like, you know, mainstream media on his side, he still feels, um, yeah, under, under the cosh a little bit there. But what the odd thing about this is that he has already appeared in an NHS video plugging the COVID jab. But I just wonder if for Gareth Southgate, I wonder if a penny's starting to drop um, he said, he said, he said this, he said, if you're receiving messages when you support the vaccine program that say you could be up in front of a Nuremberg type trial in 10 years, it does make you think twice about speaking out. Well, that's interesting because if you're really sure of your position, you'd just discard that as nonsense, wouldn't you? I mean, I would, if somebody said that to me and I was sure of my position, I think that'd be ridiculous, just toddle mm. off. But clearly he's, he's it's caused him to question something, which is, seems a bit strange. Um, and then he goes on to say, um, he said, what if, what if I'm on the wrong side? At that moment, I can't be sure I am on the right side. 
And then, but he still goes on to say, I'm comfortable that I've had the vaccine. So basically, we have Gareth Southgate saying, I'm not sure if I'm on the right side of history on this one. Um, and I acknowledge that if I'm on the wrong side of history, there could be consequences. You think, wow, really? Well, surely the safe thing to do is err on the side of caution, isn't it, Gareth? But this is this is where kind of, you know, the freedom of thought, freedom of conscience, freedom to decide what's good for my health. People are thinking about this, aren't they? Even even in the England football team, which I thought they was are. really interesting. Yeah, it is. It is interesting, and it's also um, there's just this. I mean, this goes back, doesn't it, to the the issue with the Black Lives Matter and uh, the taking the knee and the football teams doing it and but there's this this group think this this thing that everybody has to do the same everyone has to comply everyone has to yeah you know so it, on these issues this this seems to be that that's the position he's taken isn't it so he wants all his players to comply he wants them all to say the same thing he wants them all so it's uncomfortable if some of them are not he could have from the beginning he could have just said my players are free to make their own choice yes. and left it at that. I'm not going to yes. talk about it anymore. They are free to make their own choice about their own health. And that's the end of the matter. I'm not going to talk about it. Don't ask me about it again. End of conversation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That, that would be a normal position to take in our society. Except As... it's not anymore, is it? No. Now, yeah. it, it, that is not the n normal position. And especially with something to do with your health, which is a private matter most of the time. In fact, all of the time, I think. So, yeah, exactly. That's what he would have been better doing. And and the, and, you, and here, I think we've just seen a peeling back of the lid, the thin veneer of safety that those in positions of power have. And it is only a thin veneer of safety. And when you pull that back, I think they start to panic a bit. Because they start to realise, hold, hold on, if everybody isn't towing the line, as in the England players are not all getting the vaccine, I've now got a really big problem on my hands. And he, and I think for him, it's like he's starting to question himself <laughs> to say, what, what, what if I am on the wrong side? And I'm not sure I am on the right side. Okay, Gareth. You're not sure you're on the right side, but you've been sure enough to appear in an NHS video coercing other people to take the jab. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, Gareth? Yeah. You do wonder how much research he's actually done. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I, th I think you know, there's a significant number of uh, players in, in the Premiership and probably the other leagues as well who haven't had the vaccine. And frankly, I don't blame them until there's a decent enough of long-term data because there's been enough professional sports people dying after having the vaccine or being ever unable to play because of heart conditions so i think it helps them to to wait a bit um but we've also got this whole thing of like peer pressure in schools as well and, and we're not we're not you know this is all to do with freedom this is the point isn't it so freedom of choice that that children have in schools is under attack even well this evening hasn't it there's some been stuff in the news from the the education minister, the health minister, about about this trying to coerce parents to encourage their kids of uh, twelve to what twelve to fifteen to go and have the jab, as they put it. Well, isn't that their very thinly veiled threat of 
um, face-to-face teaching being potentially taken away if they're not vaccinated. Yeah, face-to-face teaching, which they quite happily took away last year for most for best part of well three quarters of the year Mm. (laughs) so yeah it's but it's this idea isn't it it's 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 they haven't got health grounds to do it on it's just spurious tenuous kind of reasons to get people to comply and it's it's this idea of like herd mentality i suppose isn't it like getting people to be in fear of not of be sorry being fear of being the odd one out not comply they know that peer Mm. pressure counts at school and at the school gate figuratively speaking for secondary schools for parents they don't want to be seen as being the odd ones out do they and this you know this is where again where you've got to think hold on a state let's take a step back from this where does this go where does this action end up and it and it undermines the freedom that we all enjoy and live by yeah well there's been plenty of examples haven't there over this last 18 months of of coercion and i would say extreme coercion um and that that's a real danger to freedom and freedom of choice because to be free to make an informed decision, you have to be free from threat and coercion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and the coercion's all over the place. And this is what what we covered. What was it in our first one about the your your neighbour um, Instagram feed, which they just come out with such nonsense on some of this stuff, like about how the vaccine is promoted as as a route back to freedom. I mean, since when is submitting to like a kind of a slavery when since when has that been route back to freedom and people might say hold on what are you on about how can how can having the vaccine be submitting to slavery well just have a look at israel where they are ahead of us in this and you now are on your third or fourth booster booster and if you're not up to date with your booster you're essentially unvaccinated. Well, that's not freedom. That's slavery. It's like a game of snakes and ladders, isn't it? So so if people think, oh, well, if we have a COVID certificate or pass or whatever it's called, but then we'll have our freedom back and then it will yeah. all be OK. But it's like, no, because then they will say, oh, sorry, you're run out of date. You need your booster. So you yes. go back down the snake. And now you've got to start again, yes. another booster. And that's what, what the, we're seeing in Israel, isn't it? Exactly. So it's exactly. like, where does it end? Where does it end? Is it going to be every year, every six months? Will they add other things onto it? Yeah. Where does it, where does it go and where does it end? Once you have that idea of papers, certification, a pass, uh, you know, a, a kind of condition to your freedom... To your existence, you know, your a digital ID. I mean, they're, they're, they're now yeah. they're, again going back to our, our favourite country at the moment, Australia. The 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 now the government there are talking about digital ID. That's a new thing now coming out, just rolling that out, and this is all part and parcel of the whole thing. Um, and the thing is, I mean, if somebody is listening to this who isn't kind of on the same page as us as this that's okay i'm glad you're listening but 
and it's okay to think Crumbs, you know, Tim and Helena are like a bit off the off at a tangent here. Well, you know, I I'd love to uh, in ten years time, if we are off at a tangent, great. <laughs> if that's a good thing, but if we're not, now's the time to actually, you know, do something about it, isn't it? And to and to say, hold on, what you know, we need to stop and take um take stock of where we are because this stuff matters let's go back to the bible because i know that that many christians will say um well look at romans 13 or or look at the end of titus for example bible makes it very clear that that if the state authorities governing authorities tell you to do something we should do it is that the end of the story helen there um, well, no, I think that's a very simplistic look at a um, piece of scripture. The danger is always to not look at scripture in context, isn't it? Yes. Um, to take yeah, yeah. out a, a verse out of context. And um, I mean, if we if we took that to its extreme, it would mean that if the authorities say you're not to worship your God, you're to worship another God, that we should go oh, okay, then that's all right. Well, of course we shouldn't. The Bible makes it very clear. We should not do that. Yeah. Absolutely. So therefore it can't be as straightforward as we submit in all things to the authorities and do everything that they tell us without question. And yeah, that's what we did, wasn't it? Back in March, 2020. And yes. I understand that though, back then, you know, we didn't know whether this thing was going to be like a plague or, or what. We didn't know. And we were acting with the best information we had at the time. I get that. And that, that's OK. But we should have twigged earlier than we did <laughs> that something wasn't right. Um, you know, we closed our doors to worship. We stopped singing. We stopped hugging. We stopped laying hands on people. We essentially stopped evangelism. I know people say, well, we did lots of evangelism online. Really? OK, maybe God, mm. you know, in his grace, use some there. But we, we, we weren't like do even face to face evangelism. We stopped baptizing people. We stopped taking communion. We essentially, um, I think, maybe took Romans 13 out of context there um i mean we wouldn't we wouldn't have a persecuted church would we if if christians treated romans 13 like this because they'd say actually you know you know what kim jong-un we're not going to meet secretly in my friend's flat together and have a silent time of worship because you know what the bible says in romans 13 that we need to submit to authorities you're an authority over us so therefore we will hand in our bibles and we will worship you instead I mean, it's just ridiculous. Of course, you wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> so the question is, how are we supposed to view this? Um, well, there's a very good book on this issue. In fact, on the book of Romans and um, Simon Ponsonby's book on Romans is excellent. Um, I dip in and out of it from time to time. It's essentially a, a book of sermons. I think there's 52, one per week. Uh, going through the book of Romans, and he's got a chapter on this very issue. He says, not all governments are good and godly, but the principle of government is good and godly. Government is God's way of ordering society. Christians should be the best citizens and the most law-abiding where the laws are just. So God gives good government, but not all governments are God-given. Mm. 
Yeah, that's really helpful. That is really helpful. And that's what it's saying, isn't it? In, in Romans 13, it's saying, you know, we, we obey the government because government is God-given as a means of helping us order and, and run, you know, a country where there's a lot of people you need that kind of organization otherwise it'd be chaos and that wouldn't be right that wouldn't be godly so that makes perfect sense but only up until the point that if governments then overstep the mark and start treating themselves as if they were god that's then becomes a problem doesn't it yeah i mean we let's let's think about this a little bit more we wouldn't die you know Daniel, he wouldn't be in the lion's den, would he, if he was submitting to um, the authority of that day and and worshipping the king. No. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego would not have ended up in the fiery furnace. You wouldn't have the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. No. <laughs> so we've got, we've got to kind of understand these scriptures a little better, haven't we? Well, and also, if you look at the life of Jesus. And if you look at the lives of his disciples, if you look at the life of St. Paul, um, they got into all sorts of trouble for the very reason that they displeased the authorities. Yes. They didn't always agree with the authorities. They didn't always comply with what the authorities wanted them to do. Um, and many of them most of them lost their lives because of that. Yeah, they did. They did. I think for us, what we should have done, this was the, the, the opportunity for the church to shine and say, actually, you know what? Last year, we need to keep the doors open because if people are going to be dying of this thing, they need to be knowing where they're going to go after they die because eternity is uh, it's not a long time it's forever <laughs> and you need to be mm -hmm. sure of where you're going to go and this is you know this is the church's emergency measures we're now going to keep our doors open 24 7 7 days a week we're going to be in there praying to god that he would protect us that he would bring healing that he would that he would show us where we've gone wrong because maybe just maybe this is a could be could be a judgment from god that's the other way of looking at this. So, well, if that's the case, well, this is our opportunity to repent and turn and say to God, look, what do you, what would you have us do? Go back to doing the things we should have been doing at first. We mm. will be singing praise to God. Sorry, Boris, but we will be singing praise to God because we have to. The Bible makes that clear. We will be taking communion because the Bible makes that clear. We need to do that. We will be baptizing people as they become believers because the Bible mm. makes it clear to do that. That's what the church should have done. It should. And it's not it's not always easy, is it, no, to stand not. up for what you really believe is right? It would have, there would have been a cost to it. There's always a cost to doing what's right. Always. There is. But often there's little cost for doing what's wrong. Mm. Exactly. And plenty have gone before us, haven't they? And have counted the cost. And, and we are told um, to take up our cross and to follow Jesus and... We, it's made very clear in scripture that that might not be easy. In fact, yeah. that it almost certainly won't be easy. Yeah, that is true. There's a good, in um, Simon's book, he gives the example of a pastor who was imprisoned after preaching against the Nazis in Hitler's Germany. 
and the prison chaplain comes to visit him and says, what brings you here? Why are you in prison? And he retorted, and brother, why are you not in prison? <laughs> yeah, that must have hurt. <laughs> wow. That is, that is a challenge, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, we as, as Christians, we have to, we have to ask the question, um, you know, am I in this for the long haul? Am I in this? Am, am I really in this no matter what? Am I trusting God with my life no matter what? Am I going to follow him no matter what? Yes, yes. Am I prepared to make a stand when I need to, however costly that may be? Yeah. And I think that issues around freedom are, are the ones that that could cause us to need to make that stand. There are, aren't there? Yeah, I think that is that is a really good point. And that's something we need to be aware of on this one as well. Yeah, C.S. Lewis puts it well, doesn't he? In um, Mere Christianity. Um, what does he say? So the state, the state exists simply to promote and to protect the ordinary happiness of human beings. A husband and wife chatting over a fire, a couple of friends having a game of darts in a pub, a man reading a book in his own room or digging in his own garden. That is what the state is there for. And unless they are helping to increase and prolong and protect such moments... All the laws, parliaments, armies, courts, police, economics, etc. are simply a waste of time. And I think we should add that into the mix, shouldn't we, as well, when considering what the Bible says about authority and government and what their actual purpose is. And we need to remind ourselves of that. Um, so as we kind of slowly come into land here, what, what about the... Um, because the other, you know, I think we we had a little bit of feedback from our thousands of listeners that the previous podcast was too short. So now we're doing the opposite thing, aren't we, Helen? We're, we're probably of, going too long now. We're, get, we're going too long, <laughs> but you know, it's just like people's money's. It would get, well, we have to make up for last time being too short. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll get a happy medium after this one. Episode five would be be just about right, probably. Um, so, as a church, what do we think we should be doing? Um, I think first of all, we need to be perhaps a little more alert to this onslaught against freedom that's currently taking place because freedom is God-given. It's good because it's given by God and created by God and therefore the church should defend this wherever possible. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it could it could not be very long before churches could be asked to to make people show their passes in order to come into the building. Yeah. I mean, I think I might be wrong, but in Wales, I think they've said um, any indoor setting with over 500 people. Well, there are churches with over 500, which see over 500 people. Yes. Yeah, that would come under that, wouldn't it? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there, there was a rather disturbing article on the Gospel Coalition. I was trying to find it because I heard uh, Jamie Franklin mention it a few weeks back. Um, and and the person, they're, they're normally pretty sound gospel coalition but i think they kind of lost the plot on this one but that but they were kind of the person doing the article um was was basically saying that 
you know, essentially showing your papers on the door is not a bad thing because you're protecting people and um, and because we have, you know, many churches have live streaming now. If you, if you can't attend church because you haven't had the vaccine or haven't had your latest boost or whatever it might be, you can watch at home. I mean, that's just that's terrible. You can't call yourself the Gospel Coalition and then write nonsense <laughs> like that. I mean, that's just oh, like... it's outrageous, isn't it? <laughs> how? I mean, yeah. I mean, how do you talk? I mean, because Jesus didn't didn't go near lepers, did he, Helen? I mean, let's be honest. No, he didn't like lepers very much, did he? I mean, it, it, when Jesus healed, many times when he healed, he actually, he didn't just heal. He could have healed at a word, but yeah. very often he touched them as well, including the leper. So he reached out and touched the leper. That was sending a huge signal. These people were the untouchables. They were kept literally kept out of society weren't they i think they had to ring bells to warn yeah. people that yeah. they were nearby and and jesus touched them i think that demonstrates a whole number of things um about not being fearful about other people or catching things from other people this idea that people are walking disease threat that we mustn't go near people we mustn't touch people um and and that's just Jesus just did the opposite. That is that is a really good one actually. This idea that we are not um, kind of walking disease carriers of disease, and the fact that yet, like say Jesus set that example. He he went in there and he healed the leper, and then we have you know we've made made clear in the New Testament that in church we shouldn't discriminate amongst those who come in we shouldn't discriminate on um on their social standing and presumably we shouldn't discriminate on their vaccine status either but going back to your point just then about jesus and, and the leper i was I'm, I'm struck by the fact that in church we if, we, if you're if you go to church and you're you're a, somebody who claims to be a christian in other words you you, you trust in jesus Jesus' death and resurrection, you put your faith in him that he's forgiven you, paid the price of your sin. God has forgiven you because he looks at Jesus and he, and he sees Jesus taking that penalty, which I should have taken on myself, but Jesus took it for me. And because I put my faith and trust in Jesus, God credits me with Jesus' righteousness. So therefore, I have eternal life. That is an amazing thing. It's mind mind blowing, because it, it not only affects this life, but it affects my eternity. Now, are you seriously saying, not you, Helen, but but somebody <laughs> in church? Are you seriously saying, I can believe that, but I have to go into church and wear a face mask. I have to go into church and not sing. I have to go into church and, um, uh just kind of forget that that my faith actually means something does that make sense it's like saying i can believe this thing about jesus but i can't trust god to protect me when i'm yeah. honoring his him in his word by doing the things that he's um, told me to do in his word so to sing to be with other christians to um to basically live out the being part of the body of Christ. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Is that well, unreasonable? 
to, to think that. No, it's not absolutely, and I think I think that's quite a big part of what I found so upsetting about you know to see that happening in church. Um, I think at one point I had to actually walk out of church because I I couldn't bear it. I can't I I can't bear that you know this loss of humanity. That's what it feels like to me. It's a loss of humanity. It, it was. Um, you know we are we've we're made in God's image, and yeah. that's how we should view one another as the beautiful creations that how that's how God sees us sees each one. So that's how we should treat one another in church. We should we should, and it and if our if our if our faith in Jesus is real, then surely we can trust God to protect us and we're not we're not advocating being kind of reckless are we we're not saying look if you if you've got if you've got a vomiting bug or if you've got a stinking cold then come yeah, to church please and pass it around. we're not, we're not <laughs> saying that we're, we're no, simply saying not. we can't have this kind of fear this idea that like you're saying earlier about we're just almost mobile disease carriers yeah stop us from being who god calls us to be because we have to be honest with ourselves is my faith in Jesus real? Do I really trust in him that he's forgiven my sin? Or is that just like an abstract idea that I'll stick in the back room for a rainy day? Do you know what I mean? We, we can't. Mm. It has to be real. And this idea of freedom, it can't just be an abstract idea. It has to be real. It has to be lived out. It has to. It's like faith and action go hand in hand. It's a biblical principle. There's um, a film called uh, Hidden Life. It's very, very long. Uh, it's strewn with biblical references and parallels to the gospel. And the main character in it, a guy called Franz, he's um, talking with a man who's touching up some artwork in their village church. And he look, and looking up at this painting of, of Christ on the church wall, uh, the guy who's doing the painting says to Franz, we create admirers we do not create followers. Christ's life is a demand. We don't want to be reminded of it. And that's the kind of, that's the sort of linchpin of this whole film because this guy Franz is, is, is during the Second World War and he is, uh, he doesn't believe it's right to, to be conscripted to the German army and fight. He thinks that's the wrong thing to do. It's, it's, it's not the right thing. There's, because he believes that that would be wrong to do that and be a follower of Jesus. Um, and I think one of the things that is striking about the film is that this, this guy Franz, the main, the main character, he he knows where the line is in his life and he refuses to cross that. And it made me think, actually, today, how we move the line much, much further up the field and we allow compromises to set in. And just like Franz, we have lots of reasons to to ignore the line in front of us. But actually, um, it's important to actually say no. It, we can't move it any further. And this particular line we're talking about today is this line of freedom. You know, this idea, this concept of freedom. We're not we're not letting this move any further. We're not going to make any more compromises over this because too much is at stake. And if you watch the film, and you'll need 
a comfy chair to watch it because it's really long. But he was the only one in his village who saw this line and he refused to cross it. And it cost him it cost him everything. It cost him his life in the end. Um and I think uh it's yeah, it's quite a telling thing. And the interesting thing for us is I say as the other two guys I watched it with, we watched it at the beginning of twenty twenty. So just before we knew any of this crazy stuff was gonna happen. And we were viewing the film through the lens of kind of the cultural um, ide- ideologies that we're all wrestling with and how we, you know, where's our line in that. But actually, since lockdowns, COVID happened, the lines have become very more real, I think, and stark. But I, I love what he says, this guy, Franz. He says, I can't do what I believe is wrong. And I think that's a really, a really good thing. Mm. So, anything else to add on that one, Helen? So I think we've we've we're on a record here. <laughs> Going on too long, you mean? I think I think that's really true, isn't it? I can't I can't do what I believe is wrong, and we have to be prepared to make that stand. We have to we have to be clear about what we believe, and we have to be ready to do something about it we have to be ready to live it um we do you know that's the these the issue of truth that we've talked about before which is absolute there is absolute truth and jesus is the truth he said he's the way the truth and the life and he came to bring us freedom yeah yeah he did and he has and we've got that we've got that to to look forward to haven't we um and i think yeah this whole f- thing of this idea of freedom this principle of freedom is so important it causes us to look at what it means to follow jesus because of what you just said he, he's brought us this freedom um and perhaps as we start to trust god more and we step out in obedience through faith then we'll see god move more and as God moves more, our faith will be deepened more and it'll become almost cyclical, you know. We, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But we've yeah. got to start doing that, haven't we? And it's a, it's a community project for Christians. This is why we're known as the body of Christ. We have to do this together, don't we? We can't just, yeah. you know, jibs and Very often it. It, it may mean going against the grain. It may mean walking in the other direction to the the many yes and and that's that that can be hard but that may be what we have to do yeah well i think we'll leave it leave it there um i just like (laughs) like this little little line that freedom is like clean air and water you don't miss it till it's gone so let's hope we um Mm, we don't get to that point Great. Well, thanks, Helen. Thank you. And um, yeah, look forward to uh, doing a shorter one next time. Yeah, see you next time for the short one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.